Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. This is the second part of the conversation with Adam Gray. I thought we'd get it all in 15 minutes, but Adam likes to talk, and I like to talk, too, when it's stuff that's interesting to me, and this certainly was. The last part, our discussion, in fact, there were a whole bunch more. We went on and on, but I've edited into just two episodes. Some of you really love this stuff, and others, it's very high-end, as we discussed, that not many... Uh, affordable cards. They're mainly grail cards in the iconic 100, as you might expect, and certainly something coming from PWCC wanting to handle larger cards, and Adam as well. And here is the final part of my conversation with Adam, and thanks, Adam, for all the hard work. I'm not typical anymore. I'm not out of step. It's just that I'm so much more aware of supply than the average person. The average person is looking at the demand. They're looking at the visibility. I'm really looking at the lack of visibility. When you don't see cards for sale, those are the cards I want. And those are the cards I held on to that I didn't see very often. In fact, when I looked at your Iconic 100, the majority of the cards I have that are on that top 100, I have multiple copies of. Is that right? And that impressed me or depressed me. I don't know. I said, because I don't have all 100, but I have more than half of them. But more than half of the ones I have more than one copy. And it's because when I was collecting, and it's mainly from the 70s, so almost all of them are pre-1980, I would hold on to cards. I never used the word iconic, but I just thought this will have good trade value. And I've publicly said this. I have more than one Satchel Page, 48 Leaf. I had more than one Jackie, 48 Leaf. But that's because I knew if I really wanted something, I had that in my back pocket, not in my back pocket, but I had it available <laughs> for trade if something came up. And so a whole bunch of those iconic cards... So I'm just sitting here smiling, thinking if somebody tries to get all hundred and I've got a bunch of extras of some of them, I don't know what I want instead, but that was fascinating. So basically some of the ones that I have more than one of, it's because they're high demand cards, but mm -hmm. not low supply. Of course. That's and the so way that they're You're low not gonna supply, have they're not going to make the list unless they're seven figure cards. There's not enough Hannes Wagners to go around and things like that. But that's why the Lajouet, the 33 34 slash Gaudi Lajouet replacement card withheld 106. It's not seen enough. It's not as visible, but I don't me, have extras of that. You just hit on something that was a real teaching moment for me in this process. People view something as iconic as they hear about it a lot. And yeah. a lot of times cards don't get heard about a lot because there's so few of them. And so a perfect example of this, you just mentioned the last one, that's a great example. It should have been on the list. I think the baseball purists are up in arms about it and I get it. I totally get it. If 50, imagine, 50 years ago, when I got in the hobby, those were the top three cards. It was Wagner, Plank, and Lajouet. Right. Those were the top three that everybody wanted. Mantle, 52 Mantle wasn't even on the list. Of course, the Jordan didn't even exist. But even so, Mike Kinn or Wilt or anything, no. So here's my example that I think is interesting, Okay. The number four overall card, I didn't have it in my top 10, but the number four card when we averaged everything out was the Gaudi Roof, which there are four versions of. I looked at that and I went, how can that card come up so high, especially when Ruth's got cards that are worth so much more money that are far further down the list? How can that be? The reality is, though, that if you think about a Ruth card and you're not one of these ultra just prime baseball guys, you might think of the Gaudi first because the Gaudi is the one that you see the most often right? Even though there's four different ones. 
So do you feel comfortable that the Gaudi Ruth could finish over the 1914 and the 1916? How do you feel about that? You know what icon is? It's a physical representation of something. Basically, the whole idea of iconography or whatever, they are visual representations. And so iconic means visual. And so if you don't see it, it's not a mystery. In fact, the religious icons are an attempt to make something visible that has some level of mystery to it. But to make it very visible in the church or Orthodox or wherever some different religions have, make it a really big deal. And so icon has a visual element to it. And if you don't see it very often, it's not going to be highly ranked in your survey. Was the survey your idea? Or did they bring you in to do it? They already had it going? Or did you personally shape this? I haven't been asked that publicly. Yeah, it was my idea. And the thing that I would point out really quickly in the very next breath would be, I couldn't have been more grateful to have the support that I had. I took it to the lead of our marketing team. His name's Chris. And I said, what do you think about this idea? I think people are really going to love this. And he said, I think we should do it. And then he got the support of the rest of the team. And that's hard to do in a company that's 160 plus people. They gave me the resources. And because I have connections, I thought would be really good to do it. I sent out about a half of the people that actually did the survey. And the other half were PWCC clients. And that's how it came together. And we felt like over 100 people with diverse backgrounds, that should lead us to a really interesting place. And again, I think it did. I think the experiment worked and that it brought us a top 10 and a top 20 and a top 100 that, that makes sense. But there are parts of it, Jim, that I look at and I go, I wish it wasn't that way. I think people do gravitate towards more expensive cards. There are a couple of Jordan cards in particular that I personally would have liked to see not make the list. But then you've got people who are like, oh, there's way too many Jordans or there's way too many this or that. We just had to take the data as people provided it. And it led to some weird things like Tiger Woods, two best cards are right next to each other on the list. That wasn't ideal, right? For content purposes, we would have loved to see one a lot higher than the other. The three of the top four were baseball cards. I personally didn't want to see Jordan finish number two. I wanted to see Wagner finish number two or number one, and he didn't. But we took it. We put it together the best way we could. You mentioned you liked lists, and I think you said you liked words or descriptions. We just did images because we felt like if you don't know a card by what it looks like, then it's not iconic. And that was a I agree with that. Some people were like, I want to know what this card is. And I thought, if you need to read it, it's not iconic. Like you've got to be able to look at just the image. And so we set it up. And then the other thing I tell you is people have all said, I wish it was easier. I wish it wasn't as cumbersome. We looked at so many different types of surveying software and we tried out several different ones. The fact is there's nothing that's designed to do what we did. And I actually feel really strongly that we got the right one, but well, granted, okay. it would have been I, easier to do like I a top three. But if you, yeah, for example, but just have 200 pictures to pick 75 that you're going to compile to make 100, that's the complexity. It's hard. doesn't exponentially increase, but it dramatically increases when you're trying to rank what's number 71 as opposed to 72 out of the 100 or so you've got left over after you've already been through 70 of them. So, yeah, if you did a top 50 iconic of baseball and basketball and football, let's say, you would have something that people could say, I want to try to get them all. It's almost like a set registry or a chase kind of thing. And frankly, one of the criticisms that I think is completely unjustified is that, of course, PWCC is doing this because these are cards that they're selling and want to sell. Duh. <laughs> is that a bad thing? PWCC has surfaced a lot of great cards and is a marketplace that's been known for quite a while now for selling some of these really top cards. They're not the only ones, but they're a legitimate player in that space that has really earned their stripes. So I have no criticism of that. I think it's a contribution to, to not just the water cooler talk, 
but that a little bit of controversy is not a bad thing. No. Of, but what are you doing for an encore, Adam? Is this going to be an annual thing? The Dow Jones even kicks companies out every once in a while and adds some new ones and resets. I would personally like to do, and I haven't run this past anybody yet. I would like to do it again. I'd like to do it again in a couple of years. And I'd like to take the learnings that we have from the first one. I'd probably do more cards, even though this first time where people didn't know where it was going, it was hard to get people to take the survey. So we really endeavored to keep it short. I think next time I'd do 250 to 300 cards rather than 215. And the other thing that I would do is, and people won't like this, but I would say, hey, if you want to take the survey, we'd love to have you take it. And we're going to make your votes public because people were giving us the sort of, you're trying to sell your tech cards, which is hilarious because we literally sell tens of thousands of cards every week. We don't have a preference. The fact that David Robinson made the list and the other low dollar cards made the list, I think it's does it. And what I would also represent, Jim, and I would do this in a court of law, nobody controlled this. Nobody said, you have to do this thing, Adam. That's not what happened. Obviously, I was the original person that was accused of things that were right. back 40 something years ago and not very credibly. I was always a straight shooter, but no matter how transparent you are, People just think there's probably something shady going on, and I don't think there was. But like I said, the survey results are, in some cases, largely determined by who you survey and the way you ask the questions. That's why the political polling can be either on target or way off target, because if they don't survey the right people or ask the questions in the right way. We went back and forth internally on whether we should leave the survey open to the community, to anybody who wanted to take it. Or try to send it to people who really had a diverse background. What do you think we should have done? With lumping all those sports together, you just can't. That's like me sending out the same survey for all the different sports to somebody. If you did single sport things, people would select. The other thing I did, I haven't laid out exactly how, but I did trimmed mean. In other words, I threw out outliers that were on the high side and the low side. And it's way less than 10%. But still, I was going to let some extremes on the low or the high affect the results. And so if you were to open it up, it would be pretty obvious that there are outliers, that people are putting their favorite card. That's right. No, And whether you'd throw it out completely or give heavier weight to people that know what they're talking about. And that's really what it did. Year after year, I would know who are the dealers and collectors that were trustworthy, that knew what they were doing. I could give more weight. and the, But I was always trying new people. And if they came out of left field, I wouldn't totally delete them as much as I'd throw out the results where they didn't know what they were talking about. It's not that they were lying. They just didn't know. And they were either guessing or giving an answer that they thought I wanted to have. And I I really just wanted empirical results that were justifiable. Our hobby, I want to say this in the nicest way, our hobby is so conspiratorial, meaning that if I take somebody's answers and say, I don't know if that's quite right. I don't know how you've done that the right way. If I take it and I take it upon myself to remove that, then the feeling is Adam's gaming it to his own benefit. I saw somebody write the other day speaking about the Iconic 100. They said, oh, that specific card made it because Adam owns it in his collection. I don't know what to do about that because we need somebody to put it together. And for whatever reason, that ended up being me. I can't do both things. I can't decide. Just look at it in all these conflict of interest and transparency things. Basically, if you were to do a shoddy job on this, then not only would it reflect poorly on your credibility, but also PWCC. They have a lot to lose having the public that a survey was a sham to, which it wasn't. It's like I said, you just got to not take that so seriously. You're just going to have some naysayers occasionally, and you just got to do the next right thing. 
stay the course. So if you do it again, like I say, if you open it up to more people that you don't know, you're liable to get some kind of spurious results. That's right. And there's got to be a way. And those people, there's two kinds of conspiracies. One is like symphonic, where everybody's doing the same thing and they're in lockstep and they've worked out the music and they know the harmonious parts. And the other is jazz, where some people are just playing along and some people independently are doing some things and it makes music together, but they didn't plan it in advance. And so the jazz thing here is that if you survey a whole bunch of different people, it's pretty hard for them when they don't know each other to have a symphonic conspiracy. But they may all be thinking, gee, I'd like for this kind of a card to be more iconic. Yep. And thinking similar, it's not a conspiracy. It's just people are thinking, I'd like for these kind of cards to get more respect, perhaps. Next time we do it, I think the biggest take home is we'd like to be able to present those surveys publicly, individually. And I would hope that people would still feel comfortable doing them, knowing that it would be out there. But we didn't think of that prior to sending the survey. There there may be people that don't. I was talking about the presidential polling, even the exit polls. People do not tell the truth about who they voted for. They give the answer that they think. So if they think their ballot is going to be exposed, some people will not participate. That's right. On the other hand, it's very subjective and it ought to be fun. And it's helpful to see. Again, I love the iconic aspect. These are cards that are visible that every one of those cards I would love to have. And like I said, I really felt affirmed that so many of the cards I had, and I had them in my special trading at the bank. They're not here. They're at the bank. They're cards that I knew would be, I never used the word iconic, but they were cards that I thought this card, if I need another card in that set, Anybody will trade for this duplicate of this card. And because I was a set builder back in the day, not so much now. The man-